You're listening to a Sunday morning message by Authentic Church. I want to tell you a story about a young Christian couple. A young Christian couple that didn't have any money and were pretty hard up. And Tammy, would you do me the honours? And there they are. Maybe you can recognise them. That was us in 1993. We'd been married just a year. And you won't see it because it's really hard to tell, but we were living in New Cossey. Just been married. It's not far from here. We were married. And we were just managing to pay the rent at the time of £260 a month. But we were, I was working. Tammy had got some work. But the pay was so poor, we were actually receiving benefits. It was a tough time. We sat with blankets on. We couldn't afford to put the heating on. That was our life. However, I'd left school at 16, um, I wanted to get a qualification and it felt the right time to do this. So I applied for some courses all over the country, um, to some degree, in faith. I applied for a course that was in South London and um, didn't hear anything. Didn't hear anything for ages and ages. It was closer and closer to the time of the course starting. Hadn't heard anything. So I'm going to have to call them. So I called them. And he said, oh, yeah, you're, you're Nigel Hannon, aren't you? He said, yeah, yeah. He said, oh, you've got a place. So, like, hey. Oh, yeah, you've got a place. So I put the phone down. And I can remember phoning them back. Because, like, hang on a minute, you just told me I had a place. This can't be right. I haven't even been for an interview. I haven't received anything in the post. Yeah, you've got, definitely got an unconfirmed or a confirmed place starting uh, in the autumn. Wow. That was the first shock. The second shock was finding somewhere to live. Now, I phoned up, as you do a few estate agents, and we were paying £260 a month for a two-bedroom semi-detached in Cossie to live in, even most in a shoebox, it was going to cost us that a week in London. A week. And I'll have to be honest, and I've used this word before, I was a bit miffed. Because there I was thinking God had set this up. God had got me this place. But immediately there was this huge obstacle. This huge obstacle. I was going to go there being a full-time student and Tammy wouldn't even have any work. And we were supposed to find a lot of money. How's that going to happen, Lord? Well, within a few months of that, we were living in a fully furnished two-bedroom flat in Purley, which is Broker Belt. That's where there's a lot of very wealthy people live in Purley. And we were paying £25 a week. God had moved heaven and earth to get us to that place. He put us miraculously in touch with a minister who believed he had to rent this flat out to a young Christian couple without any money. I think he was almost as surprised as we were when God connected us together. We didn't overcome that obstacle. God did. God provided a way where there simply wasn't one. God overcame the obstacle to bring about his purpose. And it isn't a huge stretch of the imagination to say if God hadn't kicked us out of Norfolk and taken us to London... And the things that then happened subsequently, we wouldn't be here today talking to you. So what God did 30 years ago 
we're still seeing the fruit of today. And it's a key milestone in our journey of faith. And that journey is still going. Up to the summer, our series is called Journeying with Joshua, Living a Life of Faith. And last week, Tammy spoke from Joshua chapter 1. And Joshua chapter 1, God promises to give Joshua every place where he sets his foot. And God promises he will always be with him. But God knew they would face challenges and obstacles. So with the promise came a command, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Those promises and that command is still with us today. And I would encourage you, if you didn't hear it, Tammy was amazing last week and you can listen to that online. So today we are looking at Joshua chapter 6 and if you have a Bible I'd encourage you to turn to Joshua chapter 6. And in Joshua chapter 6 we find Joshua looking at the walls of Jericho. God called Joshua and the Israelites into the promised land and he promised that he would give it to them. But within just a few miles, and I looked this up, literally within a few miles of crossing over, they hit their first obstacle. God had promised them that he would give them every place where he put his foot, but straight in front of them is this huge wall surrounding Jericho. Joshua learned really quickly that just because God calls us into something doesn't mean it will be obstacle free. So the people of God had a decision to make. Would they continue their journey, being strong and courageous? Would they move forward in spite of the obstacle? Or would they once again retreat into safety? So let's read Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. I'm reading from the NIV today. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out. And no one came in. Then the Lord said to Jericho, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Make seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, make the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and make seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, March round the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. I believe God wants to help us as he helped Joshua overcome obstacles. And I believe he still wants to do that for us today. He did it for us 30 years ago and I believe he still wants to do it today. I think there are three principles that we can learn from Joshua 
and apply when we are facing our own obstacles. And these are the three, I believe. One, God wants our submission. Two, God wants our obedience. And three, God wants our participation. And those are the three things we're going to look at today. So let's be really clear and upfront. This was all God's idea. This was not Joshua's plan. This wasn't his idea. This was all God's idea. And he gave Joshua really clear and really specific instructions. He kind of left nothing to doubt. But it's interesting, isn't it, that he doesn't ask Joshua for his view. He doesn't ask him for his plans. He doesn't say, what do you think we should do, Joshua? No. He says, this is what I want you to do. God wants Joshua's submission to his plan to achieve his purpose. When I face obstacles, quite often I come up with a solution first and ask God later. I ask God to bless my plans rather than me blessing his plans. And I think that was an important lesson for Joshua. So where does God's plan and idea start? Well, it starts with a promise. Verse 2 says, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. And it's wonderful because he doesn't say, I might do it. He actually doesn't even say, I will do it. He's saying, I've already done it. But see, I have done it. It's already done. The obstacle is already gone. But the walls were still there. But God is saying to him, look what I can see. Don't look with your eyes. Look at what I can see. And in God's eyes, the obstacle had been overcome. And he drives the point home because he wants them to look at those walls for another seven days. And in fact, they walk round those walls a total of 13 times. I think another important part of submission to God is acceptance and not avoidance. God instructs Joshua to see, to look. He wants him to look at the obstacle. He wants him to face up to the obstacle. He doesn't want him to look away or avoid it. How many times do we bury our heads when a problem arises? How many times do we fill our lives with distractions to do anything but face up to the obstacle? The trouble is, though, sometimes we can go too far and all we can see is the obstacle. And then we can get overwhelmed. And God knew this. So God had a plan. He sent his very presence with them as they marched round and round. God was central to overcoming that obstacle. And he wants to be central in our obstacles too. Verse 6, Joshua says, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and make seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. He then puts the army in front of it and behind it. God wanted to be right in the middle of what they were doing. And just to make sure they didn't forget Joshua was there, in verse 9 we read, the trumpets were playing all the time. 
So there was no way they were going to be able to avoid God's presence with them. As they looked at the wall, as they marched round, God was with them. And he wanted to make sure they didn't forget it by having these trumpets blowing constantly. But sometimes in our obstacles, we don't see God in our presence. Sometimes we don't hear the trumpets and we wonder where God is. And we think, God, are you here? Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise up on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. We cannot escape the presence of God. Whether we think he's there or feel he's there, the fact is he is there with us, facing our walls. He might say, I can't see God at work. I accept he's here, but I don't see him at work. Elisha had a very similar challenge from his servant. And we read when they woke up and were surrounded by chariots. His servant says in two... Uh, 2 Chronicles 6, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet said. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. We may not sense his presence, but his presence is there. We may not see him at work, but if we had the Lord's eyes, we will see we are surrounded with horses and chariots of fire. I pray that in our obstacles that we would know God is always with us. That we would know we, he has his eyes on us and he wants our eyes on him. I would love to have ears that still hear his trumpets. So God wants us to overcome our obstacles, but he wants in his way and in his strength. And he asks us to submit to him. The second thing I believe God wants uh, to overcome our obstacles is he wants our obedience. I love it in verse 6, which it says, So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and make seven priests carry around it. And he ordered the army, Advance! Joshua had no doubts. He had no excuses. He made none. Moses, when we know that he was called, made all sorts of excuses. Not me, Lord, I can't talk very well. It's not me. Saying... Not with Joshua. He took God at his word. He called the priests together. He called his army together. And he said one word, advance. But let's be honest. Being obedient doesn't mean and doesn't make it easy. 
I'm sure Joshua may have thought, well, I'm a leader. What's going to happen if this all goes wrong? The priests were there. I wonder if they think, I'm, I'm not supposed to be on the front line. I'm supposed to be praying somewhere else. I'm not meant to be on the front line. And the soldiers who were trained for war, they were told to walk in silence. Hang on a minute, I want to be lobbing something or throwing something or shouting something. No, 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 they were told they had to walk in silence. Here's an important facet of God. When, when we're obedient to God, I so often believe it's going to take us out of our comfort zones. Certainly the soldiers were, and I suspect the priests were, marching round that wall. But do you know what? God doesn't want our comfort. God wants our obedience. I was once um, going to a, a meeting for work, and I was walking past this coffee shop. It was a part of London I'd never been in before. And I walked past this coffee shop, and it was empty. And the guy was behind the desk, just standing there. And as I walked past, I felt the Lord say, I've got a word for him. And I carried on walking. <laughs> and I went, Lord, I've, I've got a meeting quite soon. You know, I haven't got time for this. So I walked back, walked past the shop. And then you think, I don't know this man. I don't know what's going on, Lord. So I walked off again. And I walked backward and forward about two or three times before I finally submitted went into that coffee shop, ordered a coffee and sat down and thought, now what do I do, Lord? Eventually, I plucked up the courage and he'd come out from behind the counter. There was still not a soul in the shop and he sat effectively blocking the door. I had no choice but to at least acknowledge him. So I just shared a really what I believe God was saying, that, that um, he, he had a passion to work in the arts which he then confessed he wanted to be a dancer and was a dancer. Of course, I had none of this. Um, I said that the Lord had given him this gift and that he really wanted him to go for it. And then he shared that he wanted to go for a... He was excited there was a job coming up in a dance troupe, but all his friends were telling him not to go for it. And I just said, look, I'm just here to tell you this morning that God loves you and he wants you to go for it. And then I ran away. But do you know what? I was uncomfortable that was not a happy, comfortable, this is wonderful, Lord. This is a, yeah, this is scary obedience territory. But that's where God wants us. And God tested Joshua's obedience to the limit because he didn't just say walk around once. He didn't say just walk around twice. He had him walk around it 13 times. That takes obedience and for six days absolutely nothing changed I don't know about you but I think kind of maybe on day two or three or four I might have expected to see a couple of like crumbles in the wall I might have seen some plaster coming down I might have seen something but we'd read there, there is no change whatsoever after six days of being obedient to God but he remained obedient I think God wants to test our obedience too. Because it's easy to be obedient in our comfort and ease. It's much harder to be obedient in our discomfort and pain. But nevertheless, God wants our obedience. And it's not a word you see or hear used much in our culture today. 
but I think it matters to God. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, Jesus said this. He said this to all his disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything. Obedience is easy to talk about, but it's really hard to do. But teaching is required. Teaching is required. Learning is in the doing. God tested Joshua's obedience and he passed with flying colours. And finally, God wants our participation in overcoming our obstacles. God wants our obedience so we can participate. He wants us to act with him, work with him. He loves us to participate in his plans. God didn't need priests. He didn't need the soldiers. He didn't need seven days. One word from God and Jericho would be dust. But he wanted Joshua to participate with him. God wants to work with us and partner with us to overcome our obstacles. Joshua, the priests, the soldiers, they all had a part to play. They all shared in God's plan. There was a role for everyone. If we're going to overcome our obstacles, we need each other. Everyone will have a part to play. So where did God especially want their participation? He wanted them to shout. And you ever noticed who he made shout? In verse 5 and in verse 20, it's the whole army shouted. This army that was trained for war, this army that was trained to scale wars and batter down gates. But what does God ask them to do? He asked them to do something totally unexpected. He simply asked them to shout. If we're going to learn to overcome our obstacles, we're going to have to learn to do the unexpected. So in conclusion... God wanted Joshua to learn right at the start of their journey that even though they were going where he wanted them to, there were going to be obstacles. And God wanted to show Joshua straight away that to overcome those, they were going to need God and God alone to help them. God wanted to know if Joshua was going to stand on the promises of God. And those promises are amazing. And those promises still stand for us today. Now, with the power of Google, I tried to look up how many promises there are in the Bible. And different people have different views on this. But indicatively, a range seems to be between seven and 9,000 promises, which I found quite staggering. And you'll be pleased to know I'm not going to quote all 9,000 of them for now. But I am going to read just a couple because they raise 
my faith. Joshua 1, verse 9, that we read last week. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 54, 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed. Isaiah 41.10, and this is on my monitor on a post-it note. So, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 43.2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And of course, that classic from Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. So God wants to break down the challenges and walls in our lives. And he particularly loves to break down those ones that are bigger than us. But he wants to do it in his way and with his strength. He wants us to see that our obstacles are his opportunities. That his obstacles, our obstacles, are his opportunity. But if we're going to rely on the promises, then we need to rely on God's timing. God got Joshua to march round 13 times. This was in God's timing, not in ours. So he's going to need us to persevere. And maybe the obstacles in your lives today, how many days have you been marching? Are you on day one? Or are you on day six? Or are you on day seven? And just once more round the walls, or just once more, and the obstacle will be overcome. God wants us to submit to him. He wants us to face up to the obstacles, knowing that he is with us. He wants our obedience even when we are well outside of our comfort zone. And he wants us to participate in ways that we probably wouldn't have expected. God asked the soldiers to shout. And I believe God wants us to find our voices for him. He wants us to use our voices for him to overcome our obstacles. Let us pray. Father God, you have all called us on our journeys of faith. And yet so often we face obstacles. Too often we might avoid them or go around them. But our obstacles are your opportunities. So Father, help us to Submit to you, to your way. Help us to be obedient to you, even when it takes us out of our comfort zones. And help us to participate 
in your plans. Amen.